Hello, 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 and welcome to the Engineering Success Podcast. We have a bonus episode for you guys, episode 29 slash 28 and a half. I'm not sure what I'm going to number it yet, but we are on the 29th episode of the Engineering Success Podcast. In the 28th episode, I teased a little bit of a thing where I said that maybe I'll get a mechanic to come on and react to a mechanical engineer's opinion on the difference between a mechanic and a mechanical engineer. And sure enough, I delivered. So you're welcome. I am awesome. You are so blessed to have me as your podcast host. Just like I am blessed to shout out our top tier supporter, John Ott. Shout out to John Ott for being our top tier supporter of the Engineering Success Podcast. You might be hearing in the background a little bit sound of a dog whining because that's the hint is that our guest has a very special dog named Blueberry. But back to shouting out John Ott. Shout out to John Ott. Thank you, John, so much for your support of the podcast. You too can get a shout out at the beginning of the, every episode of the Engineering Success Podcast. If you support the podcast on Anchor or on Patreon, $10 a month gets you a shout out for the, every single episode of every single month. And as always, if you want to write into the pod, write into engring.success at gmail.com. All right. So I mentioned earlier that we have a special guest, and we do. This guest is a very good friend of mine, somebody who I have really grown close to over the last, let's say, five or six years. And he's somebody that means a lot to me and is very special to me. And I'm very grateful to have him in my life. And I'm very grateful to have him on the podcast. So I, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Nick Yos. Hey, Nick, how hey, you doing? How's it going? Hey, yeah, man. thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for uh, hanging out in silence there. You did a really good job of uh, being as quiet as you can in the in the <laughs> background with your with your dog over there. So, what kind of dog do you have? I have a miniature Australian Shepherd. He's a Blue Merle, and he is a wonderful little pup. Oh, well, I also have a miniature Australian Shepherd. What a coincidence. So I, I know what a coincidence. <laughs> something about Australian Shepherds. So, so Nick, so you are a mechanic. You're an experienced mechanic of multiple years, right? So, so kind of give me a little rundown on, on how many years of experience you have in the automotive industry. And, and basically, why did I pick you to be my, my, my mechanic? Other than the fact that you're the only mechanic I know. It would actually come well, on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, why'd you pick me? I don't know. I would lack of options. That sounds about right. And then I started working on vehicles in a professional setting at a Ford dealership when I was 18. Did that till about 20. And then took a break for a while. And then in my mid-20s, I started back, worked for an Audi dealership in a professional setting again. Uh, Worked there for about another two years and then switched positions inside the company. So I'm still in the automotive industry, but um, I've, I've stepped away from mechanics, but I do mechanics on my side. I do it for friends. I was still very actively involved. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're my mechanic guy, basically. I, for anybody that doesn't know this, uh, Nick was Nick could give me my inspection if I if I if I toss the money under the table, right, Nick? <laughs> used to, yeah, used, used to. to. <laughs> no, uh, this is uh, this is not me uh, incriminating myself. I promise. Anyways, so yes, Nick, very qualified. Thank you so much for taking the time to help out the podcast and lend your experience as a as a as a former current 
practicing, somewhat practicing mechanic. I really appreciate your insights. And I know that you and I have had a lot of conversations already about the parallels and my work as a mechanical engineer and your work as a mechanic. So I, I really appreciate you lending your advice to the pod. So what I've done is, is I've snipped a segment of the last episode. It's the video segment from the Engineering Success Podcast. And we're going to talk about what the difference is between a mechanic and a mechanical engineer. So I'm going to go ahead and pull it up. And what we're going to do is we're going to watch it. And then I'm going to stop it at various points throughout. And you and I, you can kind of give your take. And then I can kind of banter with you uh, throughout. So without any further ado, here we go. Ta-da! If you're watching in video format, you're going to see a lovely presentation that I dolled up on the difference between a mechanic and a mechanical engineer. What is the difference? Well, let's see. So what is a mechanic? A mechanic is somebody that repairs or maintains machinery. So generally they have some kind of specialty like a car or like a heavy machinery, like a tractor, a track hose. But a mechanic is a person that repairs and maintains machinery. Right, did I get that right? Did I, did I at least get that right? Do I, did I define a mechanic properly? <laughs> I, I think you did. I mean, there's a little more. And then. A yeah, I mean, it is it is taking care of machinery. But, there, you know, how many components go into building a whole system. So, yeah. I mean, depending on what field you're in as a mechanic, you're 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 going from the mechanical to the electrical sides back and forth because you need both components to make the machinery work. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, pretty good, right? We, yeah. We'd say we're not too far off. Okay, cool. Let me let me move my video out of the way of... I feel like I'm blocking the video a little bit with my video. So let me move us out of the way a little bit. And I'm going to make us a little bit smaller so that we don't block the video entirely. So you're going to cover up my face and I'm going to go over here. All right, perfect. All right, here we go. Let's keep mechanical going. engineer. Well, mechanical engineering is a branch of engineering. So, but mechanical engineers themselves are the ones that are designing the mechanical systems or the products or the machines, or they're integrating mechanical things into a machine. So mechanic, they're the ones that are physically working on it. And mechanical engineer is the one that does design. And maybe mechanical engineer will do a little bit of tinkering with it as well. But the mechanical engineer is the one that's doing design. Mechanic is the one that's working on it. So mechanic, pretty, still pretty good right here, right? Still pretty good? I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. Let's keep so going. So what's the difference between the day-to-day -day life of a mechanic versus a mechanical engineer? Well, a mechanic is going to be building or repairing machines. So they're going to be doing a lot of physical work. And their responsibility is to do it safely. So their, their job is to do a high-quality work at repairing or building something and do it safely. And there's an organization called OSHA that regulates how they have to work safely. Um, mechanical engineer designs the machines. So they're specifying machines as part of a larger system. They're working in a team of other engineers that are maybe also working with the mechanics and collaborating with the mechanics for input onto the design. But their responsibility is to make a safe design and meet all safety and regulatory requirements for what they're doing. 
<laughs> so I think I really quickly glossed over the day-to-day of a mechanic. So what are some other things that you did in your day-to-day mechanic, day-to-day role as a mechanic that maybe didn't get captured here? Um, probably training. I and mean, training is a huge part of it as, as a mechanic. You, you're constantly in an evolving field that you know technology is constantly pushing things forward so with manufacturers especially they make sure that their employees are trained in the new processes and designs of what they're doing so that that is something that is more commonplace on a day-to-day basis is doing more training um is it module based usually is it is it a module that somebody from the corporate office is designed that then you're kind of working through or is it kind of one-on-one style training that you have with like a manager or something like that how how does that training usually I, come yeah so it's going to be modular um it's it's they're so they're made by the principal company so like me i was working for audi audi's the one who supplies the training for their own product um same thing ford supplies ford like it is you they want you to be specifically trained in their processes and how they want their things to be done because they they want consistency that's the biggest thing is they want to be able to hop into any store and know that their mechanics are going to produce the same results every time because they have a consistent game plan that makes sense cool all right well well, speaking of that i think we'll we'll go more into training a little bit later so let's go into work environment they are going to have heavy equipment that they're going to be working on or an auto shop. So we're talking like a, maybe an air conditioned building, maybe not, um, or they're working out in the field. So if they're a millwright, which is just an industrial construction mechanic, um, they'll be doing welding and bolting equipment with hydraulic equipment and hydraulic tools. So, but on the converse, a mechanical engineer's work environment. So, Work environment. Would you would you say that it, it kind of depends uh, uh, on where you're at, the t- the level of uh, air conditioning that you get, and, and that kind of stuff? <laughs> what, what what did I what did I what did I miss with the work environment, if anything at all? I mean, the work environment's pretty. It, it's a shop, so it is what it is. But more than likely, you're going to come across open air shops that you're not going to have air conditioning, like you're more high-end shops so your luxury brands your specialty shops your performance shops those places are going to be the ones that have you know more ac better conditions lounges type of things but um besides that lifts is another another big part of it you know especially in an automotive shop you're just there's lifts everywhere so you got to be constantly aware also you, you need to how to need to know how to properly lock and raise vehicles on lifts yeah that, that's that, that you're right that's that is that is a really big deal knowing how to how to again safety is has to be like the number one thing right in these automotive shops and the shops that you've worked in right would you say right. am i speaking outside of, outside of my mouth or is it, is it a pretty big eff- emphasis no, it is a big emphasis. I mean, you you constantly have, like, part of management management's job is to constantly check and make sure you're meeting all the standards. Like, in the my shop setting, you know, you had to have the correct shoes, the correct outfit. You had to have PPE, which is your protective gear, um, safety goggles, 
gloves, everything, uh, chemical labeling, knowing how to handle pro chemicals properly. So safety is a huge part of the work environment in, a, in an automotive shop, uh, just simply because you're you're constantly moving and no one they don't want anyone to get injured because a it's going to slow their shop down and b insurance claims no one wants their insurance premiums to go up especially when you have an insurance plan that's covering like in my scenario there were over probably 60 70 technicians in one shop wow yeah I, that, that makes sense cool all right on to the next one environment that you can have as a mechanical engineer what kind of education do you need well for a mechanic you generally require maybe like a high school diploma or a ged but generally there is not a formal education requirement for a mechanic though there are you know associates programs where you can get maybe an aas and uh, I'm going to start speaking beyond my knowledge, but the, you can go to like an associate's program and, and kind of get the experience and, and get the, the background you need to go work on the cars and then go get a job to be a mechanic. But life training and education you have as a mechanic is generally employer specific. And so, for example, if you work for Audi, you might go through Audi's series of mechanic training programs to become an Audi master mechanic. And then if you wanted to transfer to another auto auto manufacturer and their machine and their and their mechanic shop then you might need to do some proficiency and show them a resume and show them what kind of experience you have and then they'll transfer you into wherever their appropriate level of experience they think that applies for you is and then any licenses you need as a mechanic is generally a regional business license for example or an employer specific licensing as we kind of talked about previously for a mechanical engineer so all right I'm not the most proficient in this, but I think I got close. Did I get close? Yeah, for the most part. Um, like you said, it's, you know, high school level education is what you really need to get started. And then you do have your trade schools like UTI and um, manufacturer specific schools that you can go prior to entering a shop. So you're a little more knowledge and you start at a little bit of a higher level, but everything I've seen in like the real world application is it's better to just get started with the brand that you want to work with. Um, I do feel like people sense a barrier to entry at a lot of dealerships just simply because they're like, well, I've never worked in a shop before. How could I work on a, in a luxury shop or anything like that? But it, typically the requirements aren't stro so strict on those entry-level positions there because they want to train you themselves. They really don't want you to have bad habits that you're carrying over from a mom-and-pop shop that might have not taught you correctly or you have no experience. So then, you know, you're a fresh slate so they can train you from there. What about what about transitioning from one to another? Like, say I worked for Ford for ten years, and then I, or like you did, you worked for Ford for three years, and then you went to Audi. Did they make you come in from the very beginning, or does it kind of depend on what level of experience you can demonstrate to them? Okay, that's kind of where I was going with that. Is that I imagine they have some kind of proficiency where they they, they rate your proficiency and they can start you at X Y Z level. Is that is that how it right. usually works? Or yeah, right, yeah. So in the interview process, you're going to, you know, you can display however much knowledge you have to try and enter at whatever position you want. 
like me, like my entry level position at Ford, like really didn't get beyond that. And I took an extremely long break in between the two. So, you know, I kind of started back over at the beginning with Audi, uh, you know, entry level stuff. Um, but if you were someone of tenured experience with another brand, you can take their test and kind of, uh, you know, show if you can pass these tests, then you're proficient enough to go to that level, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And then how about licenses? Did you did you ever need any licenses? Uh, no, I did not. I had I did as a mechanic. The, there's no specific licenses I know of. Now there is the American standardized uh, like mechanics, which is AS ASE, um, but that's not really needed at any any real world applications that I've ever seen. And then, so, so really any certification, certification is the word that I'm kind of going for at the bottom left there. Any certification that you got would be like an Audi or Ford specific certification so that they advance you through their, through their levels, basically. Right. And, and you get tracking along those processes. So like it is, I can go to any other Audi. And even though I've been out of the mechanic side of things, I can go to any Audi, show them that I have work history and I've done their specific trainings it's all going to be logged and they can go okay this is where he's at already yeah that makes sense all right cool so not too far off then let's go sweet all right next one skills all right see it's so difficult managing all these different screens at once education requirements <laughs> what kind of skills i'd say that the skills are actually pretty similar both instances, you need to have good problem-solving skills. You need to be able to communicate and work in teams. But the mechanic, you got to have some physical skills. You'll be able to handle a tool, and you have to be disciplined. You got to show up for your hours. You got to show up on time, leave on time. You got to manage your your physical hours. For a mechanical engineer, again, problem-solving. You might have to work in some digital softwares. You might have to have an additional level of computer technical proficiency. You'll have to have a lot of general understanding of engineering concepts that you might have learned in school, understanding of regulatory requirements and knowing how to navigate that process. And also you have to have a staying power. So mechanic, you know, you, you for the most part, you go in, you work on a project for a day and you put it down you go back home and then you come back and then you work on it. Whereas a mechanical engineer, you might have that project that lingers maybe months, years, and you have to have that staying power to work towards a longer term solution. And, and sometimes your work mentally just gets taken home with you a little bit more than maybe if you were working as a mechanic. Though I imagine if I was a mechanic struggling with solving a problem, it would it would weigh on my mind whenever I went home from work too. But that's what kind of skills you need. So what do you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, those are the daily skills you knew you need. I mean, tool handling and there's a physical aspect to it. So you, you got to be able to lift and carry tires and wheels and heavy parts of mechanical equipment, especially if you're like, let's just say a diesel mechanic, you're going to have to be able to handle, handle extremely heavy pieces of um, heavily, heavy parts for whatever you're fixing. Uh, 
communication, and, yeah, problem solving. I imagine you have to use a lot of a lot of problem solving skills whenever you're working as a mechanic because you're you're kind of you're solving things on the fly, right? Um, yeah, sometimes. I mean, I wouldn't say so much on the fly because you do have your time to diag and you know go deep and slow into whatever you're trying to figure out what's wrong. Um, uh-huh. And then there's also the computer side of it. Like, uh, so as an Audi technician, every repair you do, you're working at with a computer as well. So you got to know circuitry, you got to know um, resistance, you got to know how to use alternating current and DC current readings. Uh, then you got to find, you got to know how to find continuity. You got to know which which parts of the electrical systems you're really having to go over. So in those, in those systems, there is a ton of problem solving because, you know, you, if you have an issue, you get presented with 10 steps on, you know, how to troubleshoot an issue versus, you know, this is one part that you have to fix. Yeah. I I completely forgot about that. See, are you, are you literally in there with the digital multimeter and and you're checking for continuity and you're checking wires to see, you're actually taking a multimeter in there and you're, and you're, so you're applying, you know, concepts of uh, electrical engineering almost. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Multimeter is your best friend. uh, If you're doing any sort of electrical on a a vehicle Uh, and Honestly, the mechanical side of it is the easy part of the systems. It's the modules and control modules and PCMs. It's it's all the things giving the management to those mechanical parts that are more difficult to figure out and work on than actually just fixing a part. Because so, most of the time, if it's mechanical, you hear it, it breaks, it makes noise, it does something that you can actively hear or see. Huh. That's interesting. So mechanic, but maybe mechanical engineer is not the best comparison. Maybe electrical engineer or electrician might be the better comparison. Interesting. Okay, that's cool. All right, let's go on to money. All right. I I put a little snippet in here that was something I learned from you that I didn't know before I met you. So I, I hope you're proud of me for including the one on the bottom left. Money. All right, here so we go. all of this is... The money doesn't really mean anything to me because it really just depends on where you are. Uh, it really cost of living area even more is is it even more important if you're as a mechanical engineer than as a mechanic. But obviously your experience level and the type of work you're doing, the industry that you're working in, any other kind of incentives that you have are going to influence how much money you make. As a mechanic, you're generally going to be working hourly and you can work shop hours. So, for example, if you have a piece of some shops work this way where especially with large automotive companies where there's certain amount of hours assigned to certain tasks. And if you beat that time, you still get paid for the number of hours that associated with that task. So if you can work faster, can I say that right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's right. It's called flat rate. And actually, yeah. I would say majority of any shops function on that payway, uh, just simply because it's beneficial to a the employee but also the employer uh mechanics you know you have a lot of dead times there are times that you know 
it's slow. Not a lot of people are doing stuff, especially like so summer. People are going out, driving their vehicles, going on vacations. You have a lot of you have a lot of traffic. But in the winter, things slow down. And so as an employer, it, it definitely helps you ride out those times where it, it kind of lulls down because you're only paying out what they're proportionate to what they produce. Wow. So let's finish this and talk more about that. And you get paid more. Uh, you can make more money. You can make $50, 50 hours on 40 hours of work. Um, you also can make more money by working longer hours. If you're an hourly employee, you can get time and a half or overtime, uh, depending on how your how your contract is set up. Uh, for mechanical, so so whenever we said flat rate versus hourly employee, so you're not necessary depending on whether or not you're an hourly employee or a flat rate employee. It really depends, right? So you're not necessarily getting paid for every hour that you're at work. If you're working flat right, right. then. Right. So yeah. just just real world, like as me as a technician, I we work 10 hour days and I would probably average anywhere between 12 and 15 hours worth of work a day. Wow. So, so you'd be you'd getting you'd be getting paid on 15. But if you had a day where you were in the shop and you were there for 10 hours, but you only did six hours on flat rate you would get paid off of how many hours six and if you were working on a holiday would you get overtime would you get paid time and a half no. for those six hours no interesting no. Um, so typically on holidays and stuff what they do is they'll just give you like a flat bonus okay yeah and then so, so if you were working so for the if day. you worked Wow. So, so this is no real bonus for working, for physically showing up to work for longer than 50 hours or whatever. It's just really how many flat rate hours you can accumulate. Right. And so that, that, that causes some issues because you, you start to question quality of work if you get paid like that, um, because you're just trying to rush and get as much work done to make as much as possible. So you're not necessarily trying to focus on what you're doing. Um, that's where hourly or even salary rate would be beneficial in that scenario because you could slow down. You're not worried about the next vehicle you got to get a hold of. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, you know what? We actually made it through pretty quick. We didn't watch everything because I wasn't going to make you listen to all the little explanations about a mechanical engineer. But overall, I'd say I it's a pretty comprehensive summary. Would you say that there's any other big things that people would need to know whenever they're considering potentially going the mechanic route versus a mechanical engineer? If uh, What kind of person would be more suited to becoming a mechanic? Um, someone who definitely likes to work with their hands. Um, if, if you definitely like being in the practice versus thinking of the principle then I would definitely say go with the mechanical side. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed my time as a mechanic. Uh, I just needed something different. And COVID is crazy and affects everyone and everything. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. as far as tools, that's one thing. Um, if you if you want to be a mechanic tools are important yeah 
and are you providing your own tools yes so oh my goodness basically any shop you're going to work for you're going to have to provide your own tools um and that can be a very very large cost to even start up so it's still again the cost is going to be way less than any college degree but at the same time it is you know you could spend anywhere from 1500 to $15,000 on getting started with tools. Yeah. Wow. That that that's something to be aware of. So, before we close, uh I just like to thank you so much Nick and just any last words um for anybody, words of wisdom, words of advice, words of caution for anybody that's looking to become a mechanic? If if you're obsessed with cars, definitely take this path um, there's a lot of avenues as well just besides mechanic inside of um, this atmosphere you there's a lot of upward growth at a lot of if, especially in the automotive world there's a lot of upward growth at dealerships uh, low entry costs low uh, easy entry points with you know not needing as much education or something else so definitely recommend it to anyone that would like a good career path overall rather than a short-term job. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you so much, Nick. Uh, and uh, with that, I'll, I'll close out this segment. And everybody remember, uh, just like Nick, you should leave five-star reviews on the podcast. You should share the podcast with your friends and family. If you know somebody that you think might want to become a mechanic or a mechanical engineer, they can't decide or they want to become a mechanic or an engineer, Send them this video, and and maybe this will help them out. Yeah, do do both, right? You can become a you can become a mechanic, and then use that to pay for your mechanical or electrical or whatever engineering school, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I imagine some dealerships might even help contribute towards your your education costs as part of your your employment. Sweet. Well, thank you guys. I'll catch you guys in the next one. This has been the Engineering Success Podcast. That was Nick Yos. I'm Daniel Dollinger, and we will catch you in the next one. Thanks. Communicating. I just made a pilot, then they threw me on the stations. Now I'm not complaining. Now I'm not complaining. My thoughts get complicated. I cannot explain the lameness. Never losing focus because I ain't chasing payments. Still playing in the basin while I'm working on arrangements. They heard the kid in 50 countries. Thank God that's amazing. But I'd rather thank Spotify. They put me on the stations.